Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Friday, June 5th. I'm Wayne Pratt. Residents throughout the region are still taking to the streets in the aftermath of George Floyd's death. One of the largest demonstrations so far took place last night in Brentwood and Richmond Heights. More than 1,000 people took part. It was one of several rallies in the area yesterday. We'll have more on all that in just a bit. Also, St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman compares today's protest environment to that of six years ago when Ferguson was the epicenter of protests over police brutality. As we mentioned, more than 1,000 people marched through Brentwood and Richmond Heights last night in one of the area's largest demonstrations so far since the death of George Floyd. At one point, the crowd blocked traffic as people moved through the shopping area between Hanley Road and Brentwood Boulevard. There was a smaller demonstration in Florissant, and people gathered in downtown St. Louis yesterday to remember retired police captain David Dorn. He was killed this week by looters. More protests are planned for the weekend. In other news, voters in Missouri can now request an absentee ballot if they are concerned about voting during the pandemic. As St. Louis Public Radio's Jacqueline Driscoll reports, Governor Mike Parson signed the bill yesterday. The measure allows voters who are at a higher risk of contracting the coronavirus to cast an absentee ballot without notarization. It does require voters who have health concerns to send in a notarized statement with their ballot in an effort to prevent fraud and ballot harvesting, Parson said in a statement. Mimicking President Donald Trump, Parson says voting absentee without reason is not secure and, quote, will not happen in the state of Missouri. In Jefferson City, I'm Jacqueline Driscoll. St. Louis Public Radio. School administrators in Missouri are trying to adjust to large cuts in state education funding while planning for more. Governor Parson is withholding more than $130 million in aid to schools. Melville Superintendent Chris Gaines says he will have to absorb the cuts even as schools need to spend more money on technology and cleaning supplies. What we're kind of running into is our revenues going down and our costs are going up. So um, for next year, we're going into the year planning that we're going to run a deficit. When school resumes in August, many students will have been out of the classroom for six months. Educators worry many will need more instruction and resources to make up lost ground. Missouri University of Science and Technology is using layoffs, furloughs, and leaving positions open to make up for a $32 million shortfall. St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports cuts in state funding and refunds to students because of the coronavirus are to blame. 44 staff and 5 faculty will be laid off. 58 staff and 13 faculty positions that are vacant will stay unfilled, and 90 people will be temporarily furloughed for two weeks to two months. Cuba Payne is the chief financial officer at Missouri S&T. She says temporary salary cuts like the ones implemented at other schools are not under consideration. She calls them one-time stopgap measures. Just another way of kicking the can down the road. Our philosophy at S&T has always been that we try to look at our problems and look at our issues and deal with them 
as quickly as we can. Plain says while the cuts are painful, it will help the university avoid difficult decisions like this in the future. In Rolla, I'm Jonathan All, St. Louis Public Radio. St. Louis Mayor Lida Krusen says last week she formally withdrew the city's application with the Federal Aviation Administration to consider leasing St. Louis Lambert International Airport. A spokesperson with the FAA says that request has not arrived. The spokesperson added the correspondence may still be in transit. Krusen halted the city's controversial exploration of airport privatization six months ago. A spokesperson for her office says she is not involved in a recently launched effort to petition for a ballot measure in November asking residents whether the city should lease the airport. The 2014 death of Michael Brown brought thousands of people into the streets of Ferguson to protest police brutality and a justice system that targeted minorities. Protesters returned this week to mark the death of George Floyd at the hands of Minneapolis police. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Lippman has more on the protest environment six years after Michael Brown's death. Last Saturday, Rasheen Aldridge once again found himself with a bullhorn in his hand, addressing a crowd of hundreds about a black man killed by police. We tired. Yeah. It's a simple message. It's not hard to understand. We tired of people of our colors being killed in our streets by police brutality. Aldridge couldn't legally drink when he made a name for himself during weeks of demonstrations that followed Brown's death. He's since added a big title, state representative, but remains a key protest organizer. He told St. Louis on the air that he wasn't surprised by the need to be back on the streets. Our communities have not seen the dramatic change and policy change when you're talking about shifting uh, power, education, and engagement to communities that have been left out for, uh, for a long time. Tony Rice, who has lived in Ferguson for nearly 20 years, also returned to the streets after Floyd's death, driven by a dominant feeling of sadness. I'm just sad for him. I'm sad for his family. I'm, I'm sad he had to experience that while everybody just stood back and watched. Rice spent much of 2014 and beyond documenting protests via live stream. The solidarity is the same now as it was then, he says, even as the crowds are younger, fearless, and a bit angrier. But he's also noticed another big difference. I've seen the police response being more, more poised, to be honest. I've, I've witnessed someone intentionally try to get arrested, and they would not arrest them. When in 2014, we saw people randomly getting arrested just for walking up and down the street. One thing that hasn't changed is the rhythm of the days. In the light, thousands take to the streets in nonviolent marches. But after the sun goes down, businesses have been looted or damaged, and there's often gunfire. Earlier this week, a retired black police officer was shot and killed while trying to defend a friend's pawn shop in North St. Louis, and four on-duty officers were shot and injured. It's infuriating for activists like Aldridge. I know how things can get turned in light and making it seem like um, it was either the people that organized it or the bigger message gets taken off of, you know, all the hard work and more focus on um, some of the, the burning and some of the vandalism and a death. In Ferguson, a crowd shot fireworks at officers stationed outside the police department's headquarters, injuring several. They also broke some of the building's windows. 
It's a logical place to protest Floyd's death. The Ferguson police and municipal government are powerful symbols of a system that targeted and harmed black people. Community leaders like Annette Jenkins understand the anger. I know the pain, you know, but what's tearing up, gonna, what's that, what's that going to do us? Because then we have to rebuild all over again. Due to federally mandated reforms, the city is actually making progress, Jenkins says. Almost all of the officers are new. She helped hire most of them. They have listened to us. We said we don't want them. They don't hire them. Rice has also done a lot of work with the groups set up by the consent decree. But he says most of the progress has been behind the scenes. Six years later, we have this and we have nothing demonstrable to show them, hey, we've made progress. Lots may have changed on paper, but he says you can't show paper to protesters. I'm Rachel Lippman, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Fred Ehrlich edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.